This is Grown Up With Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, today we discuss the complexities and benefits of forgiveness. Also, we have a growing number of broken appliances in our front yard. Classy! Welcome to the Grown Up With Kids podcast. Whoa, you're so like sedate this morning. Thanks, Rach. <laughs> you're welcome. I think that's a compliment. Ah, uh, funny. Uh, I'm David. I'm Rachel. Glad you're here. We love our listeners. Thanks for listening. We don't know much, some of you. <laughs> Maybe you're terrible people. Who knows? <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> but the ones we know, we do love. And we're, we are really grateful that you're listening. And we got a fun show. Yeah. So we had a big birthday week. We did. We hate birthdays in our house. No. (laughs) No. That's not true. We feel a lot of pressure to execute um, and not like have big birthdays. We don't spend a ton of money on birthdays, but we really want our kids to feel special. You have to finish that sentence. We feel like we have a pressure to execute. (laughs) Yeah, that's like a... (laughs) Most people think of executing as getting things done. I know. Not murdering a child. Oh my gosh. That just went dark. Um, so I think we feel pressure to make sure our kids have fun and feel valued. And I think with some of our kids at different points in their, their lives, they feel more pressure to sort of like like social pressure to make sure their friends have a good time. And so then that adds pressure to us. And I think we felt that this week. Is that fair? Absolutely. The... Um, yeah, each of our kids at different stages certainly feels different pressure. And um, one good thing about this year is that we're in a pandemic, so we have not had sleepovers, which is amazing to not have like 10 kids in your house trying to sleep-ish. Um, but no, also... No, 10 kids trying not to sleep while we're trying to get some of them to fall asleep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They're just roaming your house in the middle of the night. Um, but yeah, we feel a pretty good amount of pressure... Um, to make things good. And I think that's like parenthood in general. You just feel a lot of pressure for your kids, like to make sure that they have a great childhood and, uh, it's a tough balancing act. So I, I was thinking about this. I do think this is an area where you and I complement each other, uh, well, which is I tend probably out of self-defense to be too, um, sort of like, ah, it'll be fine. You know, like don't, don't put too much pressure and you tend, maybe out of self-defense as well, to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Right. And I think when we talk through that in advance, we actually get ourselves to a good balance <laughs> yeah, of, hey, a- we should work hard at this right? and also not lose sleep over it. Right. Exactly. We do balance each other out and somehow meet in the middle. This week was um, crazy, but we pulled it off. And I guess if I pull myself back, I can say, okay, it's only two hours. And in reality, all these kids really want to do is just play. They don't really want a ton of games or entertainment. It's just play. So yeah. that takes some pressure off. Yes. And I think if we can just set up an environment where they can play and injuries are, you know, less than 50-50 chance of someone getting hurt. <laughs> Although we did have one kid hurt his ankle a little bit. Man. They were climbing on rocks and in their creek and stuff. But I think it was a success. And so, hey, good on you, Rach. Hey, thank you. The other funny thing this week is that um, one of our children is kind of a mad scientist and our neighbors bring over 
um, random stuff for them to take apart. Yeah. So this week it was a lawnmower to take apart. Super fun. Love the idea and the concept. It is sitting in our front yard, a totally disassembled lawnmower. So we look super classy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I walked out of our house one morning this week before anyone was up, kind of just like waking up, drinking my coffee, looking around, and there was a half-taken-apart lawnmower on one side, there was a huge stick that clearly was not from a tree in our yard that was just sitting there. There were like four um, pool noodles that had been turned into lightsabers just scattered all over the place. And now there's a broken down popcorn maker <laughs> like from a carnival on our front porch. So we are just living the classy life. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the the mental image I have of you standing on our front porch looking at our front yard is like you with your hand down your pants drinking some coffee and just being like, yep, this is the life. This is the life. So one of our favorite movies that most people don't like is uh, The Family Stone. And Most people don't like that? I, I don't think it gets the respect outside of our house that <laughs> okay, it deserves. Okay. Well, maybe. I uh, love that movie so much. We do so love that much. movie. But there's a scene where um, one of the Wilsons, Owen Wilson. Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. Yeah. Um, walks out and um, he's wearing like sweatpants that are kind of tight. And <laughs> he's standing in front of this car door. So his junk is like right in the window. And he's sort of just like stretching awkwardly in front of this other character and handing her a coffee mug. That's and how that, I envision you on our front porch. Yes, that's me. Just so awkward. awkward. <laughs> My sweatpants are too tight. And no one wants to think about that. So one thing before we get into our topic, which is going to be forgiveness, and it's going to be a good one, um, is we give our kids on this uh, podcast, uh, you know, anonymous crap, but a decent amount of crap for breaking things. And one thing in particular that they like to break or they have a proclivity towards breaking, as we've noted before, is wine glasses, right? Oh my gosh, yes. So I just wanted to make sure we were fair and just commented on who broke a wine glass this week. (laughs) Was it one of our kids, Rach? I did. I did. I just washed it. Didn't want to put it in the dishwasher because it would have broken. And I was nervous about that. So I hand washed a wine glass and knocked it over and busted it. So So the moral of that story is don't drink two glasses of wine and then try to clean the wine glass. (laughs) Wait till the morning. Yep. That's pretty much the lesson. (laughs) The best was the look on your face. You're like, oh, I I broke it. (laughs) Oh, and it was just like in your hand. It just felt so ordinary to me at this point, you know? You you knocked that stem right clean off. Yep, exactly. Good wine. (laughs) (laughs) It was a good glass of wine. (laughs) That was post-party. We needed it just to decompress. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Speaking of bad moments in uh, alcohol consumption. Oh, no. You're aware of this. I had a moment yesterday. I don't know. I just needed to take the edge off. (laughs) So I'm sitting there talking to our boys. I'm drinking a beer. And one one of our kids looks at me and goes, Dad, it's 11.30 in the morning. I was at work. I was at work and I walked in and you're drinking a beer. I was like, oh my gosh. And our son was like, I know, right? Like something is really wrong. Because we don't really drink that much. And definitely no. don't drink in the morning. No, I can't remember the last time I had a drink in the morning. I do feel like... COVID has moments where it gets to me and I'll drink like a little bit more for a week or two and then be like, I need to just like step back. And so this was one of those weeks between the stress of work, your work, a birthday party, and uh, yeah, the pandemic continuing. I needed an 1130 beer on a Saturday. (laughs) Just once. Just once. So, 
Oh, some good times. In so I asked for your forgiveness, Rachel. Segway. Uh, I'm not ready. <laughs> that is one of the things we're going to talk about. All right, so let's talk about forgiveness. I think there's kind of a, a few things um, about, like, why would we talk about forgiveness that are just, like, base setting, right? Yeah, totally. So one of those is that forgiveness is just a reality of life. Like, we all end up getting hurt by someone. Um, it doesn't, you know, you get hurt by your siblings as a child and as an adult. Um, you get hurt by your parents. You hurt your parents. You get hurt in marriage, right? Like we all wrong each right. other in little ways, medium ways, and sometimes big ways. Yeah, absolutely. So um, helping our kids see that as like, hey, that's part of life. And there's a beautiful part of asking for and giving and receiving forgiveness. Yeah, I think that we sort of expect our kids and even expect ourselves to sort of just do this and act like it's something that just happens. But I think it is actually an action um, that needs to be taught because I think it can go awry in a couple different ways. Like it can be shamed um, Mm -hmm. and like, or you just feel like, you are forgiving, but it ends up being dismissiveness and not an actual act of forgiveness um, that taps into your heart. Yeah, this is really important, which is um, forgiveness. Sometimes the act of asking for forgiveness with your child, like teaching your child how to do that, will feel really rote and like we're just going through these steps. Um, But I think sometimes like many disciplines, we have to go through steps to actually end up feeling something and experiencing something. Um, But on the other side of that, when our kids are learning how to forgive, when they've been wronged, uh, I think we do really have to help them understand what the steps might be to do that, but also give them a lot of space to say, I'm not going to forgive this person right now. Like, I'm really hurt or I'm really mad about this. Um, And that that's actually also healthy boundary setting for them. Absolutely. And I think it um, gives them a lot of self-worth when they're able to say, I'm just not ready, and yeah. that and that offers um, self-respect. To, yeah. But it, do, it just doesn't mean that they negate how they feel. Yeah. Um, and, neg- like, and it still demands an action. Yeah. It just may not be at that moment. I think what you're getting to is that there's a lot of nuance here, um, and there's a lot of feeling out the situation that this is not going to be, Hey, here's the six steps and it's black and white. And every time it's going to work this way. Exactly. Like we're talking about matters of the heart in our kids and they're going to have really deep feelings, whether they're the one who's been wronged or the one who has wronged. Exactly. And it's messy because in your household, like your kids are constantly bouncing around between being wronged and wronging and being great. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so one other key point before we get into some of the how to's or working around a lot of that nuance is that forgiveness is actually good for us. Did you know that? No. I mean, I think we intuitively, I know that you've done some research on this, so I'm super curious. Yeah. Um, I think like intuitively we believe that forgiveness is a good thing to do and the right thing to do if you are of a you know, a faith of any kind, certainly Christianity and uh, like Judeo-Christian background, like there's a lot around like forgiveness and God forgiving us. And so we forgive others. Um, But that can feel a little bit like duty. There's actually science around teaching kids forgiveness um, leads to positive outcomes. So I found a couple of different studies where there are like forgiveness programs um, where they teach kids about forgiveness and give them like some skill sets around that. Is there forgiveness camp? (laughs) Man. (laughs) How much would you pay to send our kids to forgiveness camp? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but they found, like, that there were um, increases 
among students who went through these kind of programs of hope, um, of pro-social uh, attitudes, of empathy, and even academic performance. Really? Yeah, and that there were drops in anxiety, depression, anger, aggression, and going back to the school piece, delinquency. So, so you're saying that forgiveness, like if a child has the ability to forgive and be forgiven, they have a better shot at life. I mean, like it's yeah. statistically proven, scientifically proven, that they have more hope, they do better in school. Yeah, if they, they have more have empathy. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, I like to be interesting every once in a while. You are interesting. I think that's interesting because it is such a passive thing in our culture. Like forgiveness is sort of like, oh yeah, I forgive you. Oh yeah, it's fine. Like I just, I feel like it is so dismissive and it actually is an action that's important. I think that's what I'm learning today. Yeah, this, uh, I'll put this link in our show notes. I found an interesting article um, on mindful.org, um, and they referenced two psychologists, Robert Enright and, uh, sorry, sorry, a psychologist, Robert Enright, and a psychiatrist, Richard Fitzgibbons. Um, and they make the point that forgiveness is not being weak. That's what it kind of popped in my head when you were just saying, like, this is something we sort of push off to the side sometimes in society. Yeah. Um, that it actually takes strength and courage to forgive. And i Fully agree with that. Like, it takes a certain amount of strength and, uh, like, confidence in yourself um, and, like, giving and generosity towards others and a generous spirit to offer forgiveness. So interesting. I I totally agree. Finally, we agree on something. <laughs> only taken I mean, I can't argue episodes. with your research. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can argue with a lot, Rach. Yeah, you better believe it. And I will end up right every time. <laughs> So the other last thing I want to say before we talk about some of the how-tos is I think the home, like so many skills, life skills, is the perfect place to practice and model forgiveness. Yeah, I think one thing that is striking about this is um, we're going to talk about how we might need time to forgive someone, and in the home is a really safe place for that to happen. And in fact, for me to tell our kids when they have hurt me or wronged me to say, I'm just going to need some time. Can you give that to me? Teaches them how that behavior looks and how it might feel on the other side. So a couple things. One, it says, it indicates that this is okay to take time. And the second thing is that as a parent, it's important to come back to the problem and say, hey, I needed time. Um, but I do forgive you and I'm really thankful that you said, I'm sorry. I just, I really just need a time and I appreciate that. So teaching kids like how not to just say I need time, but also to revisit the situation. Yeah. I think that's a great segue into the first part of this, which is how do we model this? Like that's where we start in all of our teaching of our kids, right? Like we're modeling from the day, excuse me, the day they're born, right? Different types of things, language skills, um, interpersonal skills, and I think that as parents um, and as spas- spouses, what's going spouses. on? As <laughs> in Espanol, por favor. Um, as spouses, we have an opportunity to model what it looks like to ask for forgiveness and what it looks like to offer forgiveness. Like within our marriage, is that what you're talking about? And or with, with directly our with our kids. Yeah. And they, you know, our kids are starting to get older and they're observing and hearing us talk about relationships we have with other people people we, you know, relationships at work, like there's a lot of opportunity if we take it and kind of take that step forward and say, hey, let me process, you know, we don't talk about other people, like our friends in ways that are inappropriate, but we can say like, oh, I was in this situation, either 
recently or when I was your age, and this is how I felt, um, and I felt hurt, and this is what I did to offer forgiveness, or this is what I didn't do, and I regret it, and here's what I wish I had done. Exactly, exactly. I think that being as open with our kids as possible about what we're feeling in the moment or in the moments that we remember as children helps to normalize um, what you want to be normalized in your house. So you, if you want forgiveness to be normal, then you make it normal. You practice and you express. There's a lot of expression about it. Yeah. I'm sorry. I get really distracted because every time you say the word forgiveness, I just think of that Tracy Chapman song. Forgiveness. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you think of the Tracy Chapman yeah. song and I think of the scene in Hamilton. Yes. Uh, can you sing it for us? No. Come on. No. You actually have a good voice. I haven't been practicing lately. Oh, here's why you haven't been practicing. <laughs> We've talked about how one of our children got a microphone for Christmas, and it really was a gift to you because you love to <laughs> do karaoke. And they hit it. And they hit it. <laughs> I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> because uh, I think they don't like me singing all the time. <laughs> uh, maybe Dad paid them some money to hide it. <laughs> No. no, no, you love it. This was funny. Also, last night, speaking of karaoke, we were on the way home uh, from uh, a movie, and our kids just broke out in song singing. What's that? It's Journey? It's, yeah. Uh, Don't, Don't Stop, stop Believing. That's what they sang. And they knew some of the words, but on the board, on the parts that they didn't know, they were like... <laughs> Which is what we all do. But... It was amazing. Our eight-year-old knew the most words. Like yeah. He was actually singing the words. I was like, what in the world? That's like a <laughs> 70s classic rock song, and he's all over it. Yeah, which also says to me that we maybe need to pull back on the 50 cent in our house. You know, <laughs> like if he's listening to the words, we should probably be aware of that. We should be very aware. <laughs> so we can model this. One of the things you talked about earlier um, that I want to kind of put a slightly finer point on is one of the ways we model this is – showing our kids that we have real feelings and that sometimes they hurt us and we have to offer them forgiveness. Right. Um, and I think that this is a challenge because there's a power dynamic. Like we all know the sort of stereotypical mother or mother-in-law who like is resentful and holding things against the, you know, their kids when they're in their forties. Like, I aspire to be that. You're, I'm just kidding. You're well on your way. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but I think... Like, we need to work to um, see those opportunities as opportunities to teach our kids not to feel shame um, or blame, but to feel an appropriate understanding that their actions and their words mean something. And so when they're disrespectful, it has an impact on you um, and that they have to ask for forgiveness in that and also show them, like, this is how I offer you forgiveness. And that once you you ask for it, like, you are forgiven. Or once I accept it, I guess is maybe the better way to say it. Like, you were mean to me. It makes mom feel sad. You've come and sort of owned that, said you were wrong, um, and asked for forgiveness. I can accept that, and we are good. Like, there's right. no – I'm not going to bring this up in three days and be like, well, remember when you were so snotty to me? You know, like, that that's actually modeling what real forgiveness looks like. Yeah, I agree. I think that one thing that occurs to me, just from a faith perspective, the language around this, especially when our kids are very young, really models our relationship with the Lord. Like, And I think that's a really important point to make. If you are a believer, putting the language around this is teaching your children how the Lord responds to us as the forgiver. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
kids don't really have a good concept about their interaction with the Lord until later in life, but early on, they're stabilizing all of that and understanding what real forgiveness looks like. And so we have an opportunity with our kids for them, like asking them and teaching them, like, this is what it looks like to ask for forgiveness so that someday in the relationship that they have with God, they know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So encouraging them to say, hey, come to me. And anytime you come to me, I will forgive you. Like, and so as a parent, remembering that your role is not to, um, like negotiate Mm -hmm. forgiveness or shame it or like, but rather the response can be similar to what I believe the Lord's response is from scripture, which is, I absolutely forgive you. I'm so glad you came to me. Like it was hurtful and I'm so sad about what happened but I will always forgive you, yeah. always. So it, I think that there's a there's an important lesson for families of faith to be establishing kids' faith through forgiveness in this. Yeah, and this is where there's a lot of nuance because I think from a biblical perspective, it is clear that God forgives us um, unconditionally, um, and I think we want to model that uh, as best we can. We also need to teach our kids that there are consequences to when we wrong people yeah. and that it may take time for humans to forgive you, even if God forgives you sort of through Jesus right away. <laughs> right. And it, I think the other part of that is that we sin against the Lord. We go and ask for forgiveness, but that doesn't mean that all of the consequences here on earth for our sin are gone. Like there are right. still consequences for wronging someone or something. Yeah. So in that, I think as our kids get older, like when they're three, the things that they need to forgive are, are really acute. Like someone stole my toy, someone hit me, whatever. Right. Um, they can get bigger. Like if you are playing with a friend and every time there's an issue, like you might lead to like, Hey, we've forgiven them, but we're not going to hang out with that kid or we got to figure that out. And that's where we as parents can help protect our kids. I think we really, as they get older and the situations get more complex, we want to teach them that we have patience with them to before they forgive and that they can have patience with themselves mm-hmm. or they can expect to have to have patience with their sibling or their friend or whomever who, who they have wronged because forgiveness is not just a... I accept your apology and nothing else matters or it all washes away or we forget what happened. Like we need to um, recognize there are consequences and that seeking justice in this is not um, the opposite of forgiveness, right? Like you can seek both seek justice and good and protect yourself or help protect your child and seek forgiveness. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of like, like, I feel like this is, it is really full of nuance, so it's a little bit tricky to explain, but I think, I think you're exactly right. I, what I don't want people to walk away from this hearing is that you just forgive and it's like, it's just your call or it's just what you do. Or if someone says, I'm sorry, they deserve your forgiveness. Yep. Uh, Cause that is not always true right away and that's okay. And it teaches our kids a lot in, in not only like drawing boundaries in relationships, but it also teaches them 
this internal compass of what they're feeling. And that's really one of the goals is you want, you don't want your kids to just be behavior oriented. You want them to have a heart that longs for good and right and justice and loving people well. Um, and if we sort of are flippant with some of these things like the, I'm sorry, or if they don't really resonate with saying I was wrong, um, or if they don't really engage with what it means to forgive or be forgiven, we're just missing the boat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. From that article I've mentioned, there's another quote in there where it says forgiveness is not forgetting, condoning, or putting up with being hurt. And forgiveness is different than reconciling with someone. You can forgive without receiving an apology. Um, And I'm thinking of one example we've had in the past with one of our children where they had a, I'll call an acquaintance slash friend, (laughs) sort of friend who was just not very nice um, to them and eventually ended up kind of physically hurting them. Um, And... So there's two things going on there. One, as a parent, we're sort of breaking. We we had to sort of say, hey, this friendship is done for right now. Like we're going to need space. Our child is going to need space, and um, we're not. You, we're, you're not welcome here in, in a gentle yeah. way, but a direct way. Yeah. Um, but the other side is that that our child still needs to go through the process of forgiving that person, which is not the same as saying, oh, now we're friends again and we're going to hang out. Like they may never end up being friends again, but still our child needs to learn how to forgive, how to have empathy and see that other child's point of view for whatever reason or what might have been going on, um, offer kindness and gentleness towards that person, if only in their heart. But again, separating them, we're not saying, hey, what happened doesn't matter or that it was okay or that you have to be friends with them. No, as you said, we're trying to help build that compass around this really hard, messy situation where it's like, Forgiveness is good for me as -hmm. opposed to being bitter or angry or just suppressing those feelings. So I need to process those feelings. And separation from someone can also be good for me and not re-walking into that situation. Yeah, I think that one of the um, questions I see a lot on parenting Facebook pages and on um, Instagram feeds is how do I help my child with their crappy friend? Um, And we've talked a little bit about that before, but... I think that this is one of the ways that that needs to be engaged with. So it's not just drawing hard lines and saying, no, you can't hang out with them or saying like bad mouthing. I think our tendency is to be like, that kid's not nice to you. Leave him alone. Just walk away. Mm-hmm. Um, there has to be the other side of it to to say, you know, this kid may have something going on that you don't understand. So engaging your child in order to have empathy, but also saying, this might be going on in them and it might be really hard on them. Um, this might be happening in their family or whatever, exploring those things and saying, you don't have to hang out with them. And if you need help drawing those lines, I'm happy to help draw those in a kind way, but very clear um, to protect your child from that. I think we have misstepped in that or maybe waited too long with a couple of friends who have not treated one of our kids Um, Well, I think it's happened to all three of them, but Mm -hmm. they have not been treated well in a certain situation. And, um, and it's not like, I think that there's this idea that we need to change the other child. um, And that, like, that kid needs to ask for forgiveness, and then my kid needs to forgive and whatever. But there's this whole missed element of just saying, hey, like, I get it. I understand that you may not be in a place to apologize to me or that you're going through something that's unkind, like, that, that produces something unkind in you, 
but um, I'm not going to engage with that right now. Um, and stepping in as a parent with the kid who's having a hard time and saying, we can forgive and we can be kind, but we also draw lines. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of things going on there. One of those is learning and understanding uh, what you can and can't um, control, right? Like, it's a good skill for our kids to understand that they can be loving, they can be a good friend towards someone, they can offer, uh, you know, compassion or empathy, and um, still not really control the actions of someone else. Exactly. And so there's a certain degree of like, hey, you can lean into that friendship and try to help them see how they can be better friends and a better friend. Um, but then there's also, you have the right and the freedom to just say, this isn't my job. It's right. not my responsibility to quote unquote fix you. Um, and you're not very nice. And so I'm going to go somewhere else. And I think as adults, sometimes we really struggle with that, um, drawing those boundaries and having a good sense of that. And so we either move one way where we're like, we always feel like we have to be friends with people, even if they're hurtful or kind of take energy from us or the other side where we're just like self-care all the time, you know, like all I care about is number one, you know? And I think that's also problematic and it's a a lack of, uh, sort of, uh, complexity and understanding of how do I navigate between those two things. Absolutely. I totally agree. Cause I think this happens between children, but I also think there are dynamics between moms and dads with, other people's children as well, where, you know, like you go to a parent and you're like, hey, I'm really sorry, these boundaries need to be drawn, and the parent totally defends their child, that's totally fine. That's great. Uh, But this is where the line is drawn, and that doesn't mean that we can keep engaging. Yep. It's complex. Um, I find it a little hard to talk about just because there are so many little bits and pieces of it. Yeah. I think um, that just reminded me of the need for us as parents to have realistic understanding of who our kids are and where they're at. (laughs) Yeah. Because again, if we're talking about spectrums, you have some parents who never think their kid is wrong. And then other parents who I think out of their own self shame and fear are like so quick to jump on and be like, Oh yeah, my kid was wrong. I'm sorry. You know? Yeah. Um, And I think neither of those is a good pole to be on. Like there's some middle ground of, caring for our child, seeing them as, you know, a good uh, image bearer of God and made in his image just like any other child, but also being realistic that, oh, they do have faults and I could see how they could hurt another child or be indifferent or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've covered uh, a number of things. We, you know, we model forgiveness, both asking for it and giving it. Um, both in our marriage and how we interact with our kids and how we think and talk about um, our friends and our extended family. We also ask for forgiveness from our kids. That's a good thing in an appropriate way, in a way that is not shaming um, and is not about guilt, but just an age-appropriate way for them to own their own actions and ask for forgiveness. We have patience, which means we don't push our kids to forgive people that they're not ready to forgive. Um, And we show them how we are patient with ourselves in that and um, patient in other relationships that we have. We seek justice, which means that forgiveness is not the same as saying, oh, what happened didn't matter or it's okay or, you know, you're not worth being treated well. Like, I think that's one of the things we try to communicate is, like, when kids are mean to you, like, you're worth more than that. And also they're worth more than that when you're mean to them Mm -hmm. um, inherently. Uh, And so how do we seek justice and good, not just peace at, you know, peace at all costs is not real peace, right? Like, yeah. um, 
And then we teach empathy, which is seeing the other side, like understanding the other child, being gentle towards them in your spirit um, and loving and then seeking to genuinely forgive them, even if they're not asking for forgiveness, which again, is not necessarily reconciliation. It's not necessarily extending that relationship more. It might be, I can forgive you and I also never want to see you again. <laughs> that is fair, right? <laughs> right. I totally agree. Um, all right. And so a couple more things. One is like, which overlaps with this empathy, overlaps with seeking justice and having patience is this idea of giving freedom. Like each of our kids is going to respond differently. They're going to take more or less time. Like I've seen that in our kids. Um, and you know, on one side, I think sometimes a child or an adult uh, may forgive quickly at the surface level because they don't actually want to deal with the real hurt. Yeah. And so they're like, they just want to cover over it. Again, it's peace at all, at all, any cost. Um, and then other kids might just hold on to that grudge or just it might hurt more deeply or just for longer. And we need to give our kids freedom along that spectrum. Absolutely. I totally agree because both, both can be harmful on both sides. Um. This was something I saw online that we don't do, and I would like love to do better. I don't know if we will, but I, I think this is a good idea, which is... <laughs> Probably <shit>. not. <laughs> I mean, we're just trying to get through birthday parties. <laughs> which is like sharing examples um, out of like books and movies. So when you're reading things or watching things with your kids and you see... And th this is not just true of forgiveness, but any kind of good virtue or maybe even a negative virtue, uh, whatever the opposite of virtue is, vice, um, that you want your kids to learn about and understand, like to process that with them. So like a couple examples that occurred to me, like in the movie Shrek, like uh, Shrek really like hurts the donkey and then like donkey has to like communicate that to him and then there's like some reconciliation and they become friends when they yeah. weren't friends. Um, I think that's a good ex example. Like Toy Story is a good example. Like the first one, you sort of forget that Woody's actually this big jerk <laughs> who then yeah. ends up, you know, turning around and helping the person, Buzz Lightyear, right? Um, I don't know if he's a person. He's a toy. Yeah. Well, we'll call it a person. Yeah. Um, and then the other one I think that actually is sort of gets to this teaching our kids about how they shouldn't have shame and guilt and they should have an appropriate level of owning their, you know, faults is the Lion King. Like the whole premise of the Lion King is that the Simba thinks he did something he didn't do and is made to feel like he's at fault. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a skill set to help our kids think through, which is like, yes, you do bad things or you do wrong things, but you also don't have to own these other things that you're not in control of. Yeah. Or yeah. you can't control other people's responses. Like if they get... Yeah, you want me to shut up? Go for it. No, no, no. I was just gonna... <laughs> You gave me that look. I'll, I've been talking too much. I'm done. I'm done. No, I, I think you have a lot to say about shame. I'm just kidding. <laughs> See how passive-aggressive that was? That was good. Not just aggressive-aggressive, passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. Nicely Thank done. You. Well, I was just going to say... Well, now I don't even remember what I was going to say. Shame. <sighs> Shrek. Toy Story. Lion King. Oh, so... Nope, I don't remember. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay. Keep going. Well, my last point is just about teaching our kids self-forgiveness, that um, when they do things that are wrong and they need to ask for forgiveness, they need to be good at um, forgiving themselves. Yeah, exactly. Because um, I think you can't forgive other people if you can't forgive yourself. Wait, wait. I remember. All right. Now I remember. Hit me. Hit me. <laughs> Quick, before I forget. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, which I think is a really important point as we're raising kids, is that like the wrong that has been done or the conviction you feel about the wrong that's been done, or that might translate into shame, like when 
we're thinking about um, the Lion King, you know, like you feel like something has gone wrong. That is actually not a reflection on your character. And that's important to communicate to our kids that this isn't actually like this isn't the your definer. It is an aspect of who you are and it is attached to you because it is something that has been done or it is a wrong that has been committed, but it doesn't define who you are. You need to resolve it, but it doesn't change that you're amazing and sinful and all like you're a complex individual that none of the wrongs can define. Right. Um, and so like seeking out forgiveness is sort of covering over that shame and making things as right as possible on the outside or like the things that are outside of your, your self worth, but their self worth needs to remain intact. Does yeah, that make sense? It makes perfect sense. It makes me think that we need to celebrate when our kids ask for forgiveness. Yes. Because what we're saying is it is normal to do wrong things and it is good character to want to reconcile and cover those things. Yeah, I think this goes back to um, how I was talking about how the Lord responds to us with forgiveness. Like, I think what I think the response that we can give our kids is, I am so glad you came to me. Mm. I just, I love that because I think that's exactly what God does for us. It doesn't dismiss the wrong. It doesn't totally negate that something happened um, and that there are consequences. But what it does say is that you are so loved, and I'm just so glad to be in the same boat because I sin too. I'm just as ugly as you are, you know? Like, I've had to do the same thing, and I'm just so glad to have you in my boat, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Lord obviously doesn't say that because he is sinless, but I think that that <laughs> celebration or that feeling around that to say, yeah. hey, you are okay, your self-worth is intact, I love you just the way you are. There are consequences that suck, but I love you just the way you are. Those are the words that we need our kids to hear. And then the action that follows that, we need to pursue the action. We can't just stop. Like, I think that a lot of people just stop at like, oh, I'm really sorry. And then there's no action to follow or no change. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure that the, the consequences are also made clear and saying, man, there are consequences to how you treated that friend. You may not be friends for a little while. And that's okay, you know? Like, let's pray for reconciliation. Let's push toward becoming friends or whatever that takes. Yeah. But also recognizing that might take time. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, go and prove that you're worth being a friend, like that you are changing and can be kinder. Yes, exactly. And um, go above and beyond to show ex extensive love to that person. I think that's a great place to stop, Rich. There you go. Well done. Good, good thing I remembered what I was going to say. Um, good thing. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have just been going through like more movies. Oh, <laughs> stop. Do we have a stat of the week? We do. Let's do it. All right. Stat of the, the week. week. All right, Rach. Rach. Dave. So <laughs> we talked about some heavy stuff today. And so I was trying to find a lighter stat of the week, 
but I didn't find one. <laughs> so we're going to talk about some more heavy stuff. Oh, stop. I don't think forgiveness is that heavy. I think... Forgiveness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, is that the same tune as the Hamilton one? No, you know how I merge tunes. There's yeah. like two Christmas songs that I think are the same. <laughs> yeah, every year. Oh, come all ye faithful and... In the little town of Bethlehem, Bethlehem. you like mix... Now I think I'm doing the theme from... Uh, no, that's how you do it. That's not Oh, Come All You Faithful. You don't even know the titles. It's like you, you're like, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. <laughs> I think it's Gilligan's Island, too, mixed oh in. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, how, so I'm going to ask you a question first before I give you the stat. Okay. How do you feel like you're sleeping during the pandemic versus before? Hit or miss. I would say hit or miss. Like sometimes I'm so exhausted that like nothing could wake me up. And then other times... I can't sleep for the life of me. Yeah. Okay. It's so. Not, yeah. Not consistent. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel like in some ways our life has been less running around. And so that has led to being able to maybe get to bed at a more normal hour. Um, but I also feel like the stress and anxiety and the busyness of like mixing work and life and virtual like, school and stuff yeah. has made sleep harder at different points. Absolutely. So. The Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine um, published a sort of meta-analysis of a bunch of different uh, papers on sleep going on during the pandemic. And so I'm going to ask you, what percentage of the general population do you think are dealing with um, some sort of sleep problem during, you know, 2020, essentially? I'm guessing it probably rose. Um in 2020. So I don't know what it was before, but I bet it's like 35 or 40%. Yeah, that's, that's really good. So the general population was around 32%. Uh, medical health workers is a little bit higher. It looks like it's like 36%. Huh. Um, it's not a perfect apples to apples comparison um, of like pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, but basing it off, <clears throat> excuse me, basing it off uh, some initial studies Essentially, that 33% is more than double what it was pre-pandemic. So more like 15% pre-pandemic, 33% um, post-pandemic or during the pandemic. Yeah, that was my main question is like, is it pandemic related or is it the, that we just suck at sleep? No, so people who've had COVID actually have, uh, it's even higher than that. The percentage of people who have sleep problems, problems. <laughs> Health workers as a whole, if I'm reading this correctly, um, are it's not more prevalent. They just historically have had more sleep problems, but yeah. health workers who are directly involved in COVID care, um, it actually is higher than it was pre-pandemic, if that makes Man. sense. So I think the pandemic is definitely having an impact on people. Like we were joking about me drinking a little bit more over the last year than <laughs> like I did. in the morning? Once, once, <laughs> one morning. No, but I, I agree. I think those types of things, um, and you know, and alcohol can, can affect your sleep in a negative way. Um, for some people, d depending on where you live and the restrictions in your area, like you might be outside less than you would have been pre-pandemic and like not getting natural light is probably makes it hard on our bodies to like know when to sleep and how to sleep. And then I think just like Netflix and chill type stuff where it's just like uh, you're exhausted and you just want to sit on your couch and that leads to obviously going to bed later. And yeah. And I problems. think that there are probably heightened feelings of depression. And so um, sometimes that results in a nap in the middle of the day, which results in not sleeping at night. And so there's just this incredible disruption in general because of a lack of um, 
emotional yeah. health. Well, and I would imagine, I, I don't have any numbers on this right now, but I would imagine at least if I, a study of one being me, like caffeine intake is also up to oh, sort of just like get gosh, through the yes. day and get through the ups and downs of things and keep yourself energized. And that actually also disrupts your sleep if you have too much caffeine, which exactly. makes sense. Exactly. Your uppers and downers are all mixed together and... Mixing them all together. Yeah. Well, Rachel, this has been a good one. Um, I hope you can forgive me because I probably talked too much during this episode. <laughs> I but, can forgive you. Uh, I might need hey, time. Hey, take your time. It's nuanced. <laughs> it's complex. <laughs> I that love you. That is what I learned today, and for I sure. And I appreciate all the work you do on the farm, so thank you. Hey, thank you for working on the farm. Check ya. Check ya.